Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Veg Grow Up podcast. My name is Richard and I am on a mission to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. And I hope to encourage you to do the same as well. Now over this last week there's been lots happening. I have been on BBC Radio 2 quizzing the DJ on vegetable gardening. That's coming up a little bit later on that recording. But we have, of course, been doing stuff on the allotment and on the garden, mainly in my seed stowing station in my kitchen. So let's head down there and I'll tell you what's happening right now. Well, I'm in my kitchen, which, as you know, is where I am starting off a lot of my seeds at the moment with my grow lights, the heated propagators and the plug plant trainers, all of which are proving to work quite well. Now, last week at the end of the podcast, I asked you to let me know what different types of compost you use. And I asked this for a very good reason. Now, firstly, in the past, I have used a seed and cutting compost from a company called Growsure. Well, actually, it's owned by Westland, but it's called Growsure as their their brand. And I brought a few bags of this a few years ago, and I've just finished off my last load of that. Now I'm under the belief that this is a peat-based compost so it is not going to be available for use fairly soon and as much as I like using this compost now that we are going peat-based I think it is better to use an alternative. So last week what I have actually started using was queer-based seed sowing compost. This is another load of compost that I brought last year when it was on a a certain deal. Now, queer-based compost, I have had a lot of good results with using in the past. A few people have said it's not as good from their own use, but personally, I've had a lot of luck using this coir-based compost, especially the seed-based compost. The trouble with coir-based compost is that it doesn't really have much in the way of nutrients added to it. And you buy it in a block, you get it home, which is nice and light and easy to transport, I have to say, and then you put it in some water and it rehydrates and expands. And that's one of the reasons I like it, because it's easy to store, easy to transport. But the downside, of course, is, as I said, it's low in nutrients, so it doesn't have any real nutrients added to it, which for seed and sowing compost is ideal. Seed and sowing compost is generally quite a loose, friable material with very low nutrients because it is just there to get the seed started. And this stuff also has added perlite, which is something that I would often add to my seed and cutting compost anyway. So for me, it's all ready to go. I've just started using that. But once they are germinated, once they are grown strongly, the true leaves are showing, I then want to pot my plug plants up into something a bit bigger. Now, in the past, I've gone for Johnniness number two, number three, and so on, just to try and replicate the different grades of compost that are required. The trouble with this is that you end up with way too many different bags of compost, and it becomes very difficult but the reality is you need very little other than multi-purpose compost some people will actually use multi-purpose compost for seed sowing but uh, i tend not to do that i've used multi-purpose compost for putting up and right on 
But I mentioned last week that I've noticed with some of these potted on compost is that we are getting a lot of compost flies. And this has answered a question that we noticed last year in our kitchen. We were getting a lot more compost flies. So what I'm potting these plants up into is a coir-based multi-purpose compost. Now, I actually had a few of these promotional packs, shall we say, in my shed that I grabbed out. But I did go into a few garden centres to try and buy some as well. Last year, it seemed to be everywhere, but the garden centres I've gone into at the moment don't seem to be selling as much of it for some reason. It may be just the wrong time of year. Fingers crossed that it's going to come back. Now, the company that I use is called Coco and Coir. I've, I've had a chat with this company at a few events and I'm hoping to be able to chat to them on the podcast at some point. But I use this compost because they've actually added a few nutrients to it. They're quite unethical and they've really done a lot of research and have told me a lot of information. And it's very much the same as a seed sowing compost. It's a compressed pack, so you put it into some water, it hydrates, and you actually get quite a bit. I found that a, a pack that I got from Morrison's last year well, the the pack itself, when I bought it, was probably 30 centimetres by 30 centimetres by, I don't know, 20 centimetres thick. So it was nice and easy to carry. But when it was hydrated, it produced 75 litres of compost. That was enough to fill an entire wheelbarrow. So we get quite a bit of compost that is easy to transport rather than having to lug heavy bags of compost all around the place. So I like this for that very reason. As I said, there's a lot of mixed results with coir compost. Some people say it dries out quite quickly, but I found that the top looks like it's dry, but when you dig down, it's actually quite moist further down. And some of the coir-based compost I used last year, particularly I got from Wilco's, we did have to add more nutrients into the mix to make it really anywhere near as good. But back into this kitchen, as I said, I've potted up the aubergines and I'm going to be potting up the chilies in just a moment as well. Some of the chilies that we have sown in the past are already in the old multi-purpose compost. The stuff that I brought from the range that is a green waste material is getting a lot of flies in it. So one of the ways I'm combating this, as I said, using a coir-based compost, because in theory it should have no compost flies. But the other option that I have is I've brought a sundew carnivorous plant. Now, this was quite difficult to get. I actually got it from a, a discount corner because it's a long time of year for these, really. And it's looking very, very sorry for itself. But my idea being, obviously, this is the type of carnivorous plant that produces these sticky leaves that flies fly on, they get trapped, and then it feeds the plant itself. And my idea with this is that I'm going to use this to try and reduce the amount of flies that I have in this kitchen. I do not like to use pesticides at all. I don't really want to do anything. And I, I'm, I've got to admit, even flies, I'm not keen on killing. But the idea of a carnivorous plant doing the work for me, I do like it. I feel that's more natural and more expected. So that, that's the method that I am using to try and tackle these compost flies and I think they're going to be a bit more of a problem as we go on more with using green waste compost in the future. Something to bear in mind I've had quite a few people tell me about different stories of how the green waste compost has had such poor results or poor quality yet I've bought exactly the same brand and it has been absolutely fine so there's definitely something going on with quality control in different 
composts. Now, added to that, what else have we been doing in the garden? In all honesty, I've not gone out to the garden that much. I've planted out some lettuce in the greenhouse, and I've sown some chia seeds and some celery and some celeriac, just in order to keep these plants growing. But actually, outside in the garden, I've not really done much this week. It's all been very much around the seed sowing and potting on. But one thing I have done this week is I have appeared on BBC Radio 2 and it was a lot of fun and I've got the recording of that coming up in just a moment. In the meantime, let's find out what's been going on in the Supporters Club this week. Well, with the Supporters Club this week, it's been another very busy week. We have been sowing a couple of different seeds. We've sown some celeriac and some rhubarb seeds. Now, rhubarb may not be the typical thing you think of growing from seed, but I've grown it for a few years now, and it is absolutely easy to do. Now, the Supporters Club is a club that I have set up in order to keep this podcast running. Members get extra behind-the-scenes podcasts as well as a collection of seats sent to their door each and every month that they are members. And all that is just for £5 a month. Now, if you want to find out more about that, head to thevegpodcast.co.uk to find out more and sign up. However, you can also support this podcast just by leaving a rating and review on your podcast provider. By leaving a rating and review, you go a long way in helping get this podcast found by other people who might be interested in growing their own food. Now, over this last week, I have had a couple of reviews from Lynn once again. The first comment said, loved picturing you soaring up a wood in the B&Q car park. That's the thing I love about podcast is it does create imagery and then the other comment was from last week's she really liked the recipe and cannot wait to try it of course all recipes are on the website as well and scott will be along in just a moment with his recipe for the week but she also liked how i explained my answer to the debate about whether it is early to sow seeds so thank you so much for that lynn and please do leave us a review, leave us a rating, it really does help. This is a moment that I'm really excited about. I was on BBC Radio 2, was invited on to quiz the DJ. So, let's get into it, shall we? So, um, let's find out who is asking the questions this morning by saying hello, what is your name? Hello, OJ. My name is Richard. Richard, my man. Where are you in the world? I'm in Littlehampton in West Sussex, down on the south coast. Sounds lovely. Are you competitive? Well, I would say I'm not, but my wife would argue that I am very competitive. (laughs) Have you ever thrown a board game when you've lost? No, I haven't done that. No, no. I I definitely haven't done that either, Richard. I definitely have (laughs) never done that. Never, ever, ever. Um, What are we doing? I have stopped a... Oh, go on. No, go on. I have, I have stopped a five-year-old from cheating at a game once. Does oh, that count? No, I think that does. I think that does. My, my, I mean, this is about talking about opening our wounds. I'm pretty sure my dad used to cheat at Monopoly, and now my parents are divorced. So I, <laughs> I, possibly you've done the right thing there, Richard. You've probably done the right thing. Uh, Richard, what are we doing? What's the subject? Tonight's subject is about vegetable growing. Okay, vegetable growing. Okay, you understand there's a lot of pressure on this for me that I've got to get a full house here. 
Well, I do now. I'm hoping <laughs> I haven't made it too difficult for you. We're about to find out. And just to check, I've knocked a contact lens out. Does that will you, does that help with me at all? Will you give me any buys or any easier questions? Uh, no, I've already chosen the questions. <laughs> all, right, all right, then. Fine. I was trying with the contact lens thing. Oh, it has just come out. There it is. Uh, stay there for me, Richard. We'll play one song. I'll do my research. And then three questions on the growing of vegetables. Well... That research was absolutely terrible. It's gone really badly. My hopes are very low. The contact lens has come out, though, though. So at least that's happened. Uh, but let me shut down the browser. The music's ended. That's what happens. The uh, browser gets shut down. I've got my notes in front of me. And Richard, who is in Littlehampton, why are we doing this? Why this subject for Midnight Mastermind? So I run a podcast called The Veg Grower Podcast, Ooh. and uh, that's why I was chosen. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to ask me these questions. How long have you been growing veg? I've been growing veg for over 30 years since I was about 10 years old. Quite I mean, a while now. Yeah, that is. Have you, have you got an allotment? I've got an allotment and I've got a vegetable garden here at home oh, too. Do you know, here's the thing. So allotments, I think, are one of the most wonderful things you can have. Like, And I remember my granddad had one and they were very much a working class thing. You grew your vegetables. It supplemented what you put on the table. It was a great way of being connected to the earth. It was, it was what you did. Do you think nowadays they've become more a preserve of the middle class? Uh, that's a very tough one. There's a, a, a quite a large mix of people I find on any allotment site that I visit. And it could be right down from working class right up to upper class. It's just a very mixed bag of people. Hmm. And all different ages these days as well. It's not the preserve for the uh, retired. It's no, I, teenagers. I, well, I always say, I because say, I'm terrible for being on my phone, constantly, work, you know, constantly working or being connected to work or connected to a device, that I, I need to be in allotment. But where we are, it's, it's, the waiting list is like eight years. I even made friends of the, uh, the treasurer to see if I could get up the list, and it didn't happen. I tried. I tried, Richard, and it didn't happen for me. So yeah. for people who maybe want an allotment, what's your, do you have advice for them before we get into the vegetable growing? Well, certainly get on the list as soon as you possibly can. Also, look at trying to share an allotment with somebody oh, that already good. has one. There may be somebody who's looking to not take care of as much land, and they might be looking for somebody to help them out. Good advice, Richard. That's good a, advice. another option. Plus, you get the advantage of learning off somebody who's already experienced. You see, this is why we should all listen to The Veg Grower. Um, Richard, let me set the mood. Here we go. Midnight Mastermind. And now you're in charge. I am... Oh, I was about to say my carrot in your hands, but that's a terrible image to, to do. I am soil through your fingers as you ask me questions. Does that work, Richard? That works perfectly <laughs> okay. fine. All right. Three questions on growing veg. Take it away, buddy. I've got meagre notes in front of me, I tell you. So my first question is, what was the first vegetable to be grown in space? Oh, what a great question. Okay, so I don't think there's many allotments in space. So what would be the first vegetable to be grown in space? Now, I'm sure I've read this at some point. It didn't come up on the RHS website I was doing my research on. So it's either going to be... And obviously, don't don't chip in here unless you want to. It's going to be something really easy, like cress, but I'm not 100% sure that cress counts as a vegetable. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't thinking cress. Um, so I'm going to go with something really easy. What was grown in space? Was it a... Not potato. I think it's a... I'm going to go potato. It's a potato. 
It was a potato, yes. yes. <laughs> right. I really fumbled my way towards that. But how, how yes. did they grow a potato in space? Uh, it was something between NASA and the University of Wisconsin, and they created a technology just to grow potatoes in space in order to look at feeding future space colonies and long mm. space voyages. Yeah, and it's also um, part of the plot of the Martian as well. Is cress a vegetable? I would class cress as a microgreen, a salad leaf. Okay. Type. All right. So, yeah. um, it's a good and shocking start, Richard. Let's go question two. So question two, there is a fruit that used to be called a love apple, but what do we know it as now? Oh, I know this. It is, the love apple is... It's not the crab apple. It is the love apple. Is is it a nectarine? No. I'm oh, not. that's terrible! What a stupid answer. What is it? <laughs> the tomato. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh my God! It's gone terrible. Why did they call it the love apple? Why is that? Uh, because it was red and shaped like a heart. It resembled a heart. Okay, that's. I that... believe. I believe. I could be wrong on that, but that's what I believe. That's way more obvious than also... I thought. Yeah, but it was also um, rumoured to have aphrodisiac qualities too. Oh, okay. Um, and when it first came to a, a Europe, it was thought to be poisonous. Is there, Hang on, is, this, is the poisonous part of it something to do with aluminium plates? No. Because I... It's I, to I, do... I, go on. It's to do with the tomato plant being part of the nightshade family. Right, because I read a thing. You know, I mean, do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to get into this right now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story, end about why I, I thought it was, people used to think it was poisonous. But let's go for the third question. I can't get a full house. I'm going to do worse than Phil. So let's, let's go final question. So my final question for you is, uh, gardeners often apply a mulch around their fruit and vegetables. Mm -hmm. But what is a mulch? A mulch is a mix of breaking down vegetable matter. So I would say it's compost mixed with soil and maybe a little bit of pea. It's basically something that's great to put around it. It's high in nutrients. It's going to mean whatever you've just put into the garden, it's going to give it everything it needs to get a good, healthy crop of beets. That's a good answer, yes. All right. I will, that. I will take that. What is your favourite mix of mulch? My favourite has got to be homemade compost. Oh, very just nice. Just because it's free and cheap and easy yeah. to make. And it's a great thing to do with your leftover food. Uh, it's a two out of three. I've done worse than Phil. Well done, Phil, mate. Well done. Uh, but Richard, thank you so much. First off, before I tell you my story about tomatoes, how can people listen to The Veg Grower? You can find me on most podcast platforms. Just search for The Veg Grower Podcast or head to my website at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk. Right, pointless story, Richard. So I was, and I read it on the internet, so it might not be true. I was looking at why wakes were called wakes. And apparently in France, people used to eat tomatoes. And I think it was aluminium plates. There was like, there was this whole fad of, because of, it was the new metal, let's eat off aluminium plates. But a tomato and aluminium reacts really badly. And when you eat it as a human, it can put you into a state of basically a coma. And people didn't realise that these people were, were going into a state of a coma and they were being buried alive. So what they would do is they would bury them with a little bell and you would would sit around the, the graveside waiting for the person to see if they woke up or not. Probably not true. Probably not true. But that's the reason I thought it was poisonous. Yeah, I've never heard of that. And it's, so that's probably why it's not true, Richard. Um, yeah. Mate, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Great questions there. Two out of three. Listen, I'll take it. It's not bad. But let's be honest, it wasn't good enough. Millions of hours become dead. Hey, it's Scott here, and I've just come back from taking stock 
of what pumpkins and squash I have in storage. And it's bad news. I'm down to my last butternut squash. But on the bright side, I'm going to use it for this week's recipe. Moroccan chicken and squash tray bake. A go-to midweek recipe of mine because it's easy to make, but more importantly, it leaves you with very little washing up to do as it's all cooked in one tray. I use chicken thighs here because I think they have much more flavour, but you could use chicken breast and you could just as easily swap out the vegetables. So instead of squash, you could use cauliflower for example. So let's jump straight to it and head to the kitchen and hear how it's made. For this recipe, you will need six chicken thighs or about one kilogram, 500 grams of diced butternut squash, about a three to four centimetre dice, one red onion sliced into wedges, about 200 grams in total, three preserved lemons chopped to form a pulp, one cinnamon stick, 15 grams of smoked paprika, 10 grams of ground coriander, 10 grams of ground cumin, 15 grams of razzle hanout, an Arabic spice blend that translates as head of the shop, available in most supermarkets, 10 grams of za'atar, a herb mix normally made up of thyme, sumac and sesame, also available in most supermarkets, 100 millilitres of olive oil, 200 grams of cherry tomatoes, 400 grams of cooked chickpeas, 3 cloves of garlic, leave them whole with the skin on, 100 grams of green olives and 150 millilitres of water. Start by adding to a mixing bowl the preserved lemons, followed by all the spices, za'atar and olive oil, and mix it together. Now add the chicken, squash, onions, tomatoes and garlic and mix together. Now add it all to a baking tray and add the olives and chickpeas and water and cook in a preheated oven set at 200 degrees celsius for one hour or until the chicken is cooked through and that's the recipe done if you have some squash left why not give this a try and that's it from me this week well here we are on the allotment and i'm just going to get inside granddad's greenhouse because it is a little bit windy outside there is a storm coming in, which is going to be causing a few issues. So I always think it when a storm is expected or reported, it's always good just to walk around the allotment or the garden and just make sure everything is battened down and nothing is going to blow away. Things may still happen, but that's beyond our control. So that was one of the things that I did when I first got down here today, is just make sure everything was secure and ready for this storm. Luckily, I think we are there. Now, one of the things that I tackle today is an area just outside this greenhouse towards the southern side. And actually, it's in front of both greenhouses, to be honest with you. It's an area which was another bit of wilderness. It was a lot of grass, a lot of brambles. There was even a currant bush that I planted in there, but never really did well. And what I've done is I've removed all the weeds, all the foliage in that area, just tidied it up. I've then placed down a load of cardboard and the cardboard is there to stop weeds coming through. As you know, one of the problems that I really have on this allotment is cooch grass. And 
Cooch grass is a really horrible weed I found because it just is so difficult to get rid of. One of the ways I found to get rid of it is to cover the area for a year and that seems to suppress the weeds for quite a while. In practice, we can't just cover an area for a year and not use it. So what I've done, I've covered it in cardboard, I've then covered it over in wood chip and then I've placed my cement pipes on top of the wood chip so that come March we can plant our seed potatoes into that area. These are extra potatoes that we're going to grow to save seed because it was such a good success that I think it's worth doing. And I did the same with the area next to it this last year and it seems to have worked quite well. I'm not saying all the weeds are going to be completely gone but what weeds are there or the area we have now I can just quickly hoe through quite regularly and then we can start planting up a few items in that area as well. Just using whatever I can to our best advantage. Now after that one of the jobs that I've focused on in January is the moving of the shed and I've been trying to get myself prepared to move that. The idea was to move my little five foot by four foot metal shed to the northeast corner of my allotment but I have to admit I have not been too happy about putting it in this location. The reason being is that it is on the corner of the road and people who are trying to get to their allotments might find it difficult to see around that particular corner so I needed to level the ground before I moved it and that's what I was going to do and in hindsight I don't think it's necessarily going to go there what I then did was look at my allotment and I realized that actually if I moved it to the south there's an area that is already level I've just got to clear away a few weeds and a few brambles move a couple of pallets and then we can move the shed on top of that. So that's what I did. I just started preparing that area, clearing away the weeds and the brambles to get that ready so I can move the shed next week. Now this is right next to the trees that I keep in that area that I want to move as well. So that very area is going to be under some hard work over this next week. It did involve moving my table and chairs that I kept there. This was a nice corner that I just found to sit down when I had some lunch or wanted five minutes from that area. But in hindsight, because of the brambles and things, it was getting a little bit overly weedy. So I think actually this has been a good move to move the shed there. Of course, we can always move the shed into another location at a later date, should we need to. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. So I think sometimes we're afraid to move things around. Whereas sometimes we can, and certainly when it comes to trees and plants and bushes, but actually I think we can do that a little bit more than what we realise. Now one of the annoying things that happened while I was doing this is I walked past one of my greenhouse and my coat just caught the corner of my greenhouse and has ripped a hole in it, which is really, really annoying. I'm not very good at sewing things up, so I'm going to have to have a word from my wife and see if she can sew it up and get that repaired. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Now, I was hoping to spend a bit more time on the allotment today, but alas, I am on call this weekend. So I'm going to have to head off and get out of here and go to work. Well, that has been our week here at the Veg Ground Podcast HQ. Lots going on, and I'm incredibly proud to have been on BBC Radio 2 as well. 
Now at the time of recording, Storm Isha has been and gone. We personally have not suffered any damage. There has been, of course, a few damaged greenhouses and allotments up and down the country. And I hope you have got through it okay. If you haven't, get in touch and let me know. But that being said, we are expecting another storm to hit us tonight. And how are we going to fare with that? We don't know. You can find out on the next podcast, of course. Now, each week I am trying to set a little bit of a mission, a challenge or something I want to see from you guys. And this week, what I want to see is how you store things in your garden shed. Could be your lawnmower stored in a particular way, your tools hanging up, your plant feeds on a certain shelf, anything like that. I just want to see or hear how you store things in your shed. There's a reason for that that I think will become apparent next week. Now, if you do want to get in touch, of course, my email address is richard at vegcrowdpodcast.co.uk or you can head to the vegcrowdpodcast.co.uk, leave us a voicemail or leave us a comment on the bottom of a blog post. You can, of course, find us on social media where we are on pretty much every channel, YouTube, Facebook. We've got a Facebook group tiktok instagram all those you can get hold of me through that as well now of course please do rate and review as requested earlier and please do consider becoming a member of our supporters club well i'm going to wrap this one up for this week we will be back again next time so until then please take care